Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host. If this is your first Geekscape, you know what I'm about to say. Actually, don't. If this is your first Geekscape, you have no idea what I'm about to say. But if you're a long-time Geekscapist, you know what I'm about to say. Strap yourselves in for some pop culture talk. Uh, every Geekscape, and I've been doing this since 2006, podcasting since 2005, I like to sit down with some guests, some storytellers, maybe they're filmmakers. Maybe they're involved in the video game industry. Maybe they're comic book creators. Maybe they're actors. Just somebody creative who loves to tell stories. I like to sit down with them and talk about movies or TV or comics or video games. Uh, I've been going a little haywire on the Geekscapes recently, uh, and I hope that you have enjoyed it. Uh, all of the Geekscapes are free, uh, and you've been the beneficiary of some pretty awesome episodes, if I do say so myself. The number one game in the country is Zelda Breath of the... Uh, or not Breath of the Wild, not anymore. Tears of the Kingdom. So, of course, I had Patricia Somerset, who plays Zelda, on the show. Of course, I did a, another separate Zelda special. Uh, it's on the feed. Um, if you're a horror fan, we have 100% satisfied your podcasting needs. Uh, Bomani J Story is the last episode on the feed. If you go back one episode, we're talking about all uh, all about his brand new first time feature film. He's a first time feature filmmaker. And we really get in on, on this brand new movie, The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. It's like a, a retelling of a Frankenstein movie, but it's got a whole fresh take. And I love talking to Bomani. That episode's great. And then we talked all things Robert England on an episode because there's this brand new documentary coming out called... Um, Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares. It's all about Robert England's story. It goes through his career. And if you're a Freddie fan, but more so a Robert England fan, how can you not be a Robert England fan? Uh, I really recommend this documentary because if, if you love Nightmare on Elm Street, you, you're taken care of. There's, there was a four-hour documentary already made, and that's the Freddie story stuff. That, like, um, that one, Never, Never Sleep Again, is the ultimate Nightmare on Elm Street documentary. This one, Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, is all about his early career, um, getting all these bit roles, character roles. There's an amazing Burt Reynolds story in there. There's an amazing story about how Mark Hamill possibly got the Luke Skywalker audition only because Robert England brought the sides home when they were all hanging out together. And Mark Hamill was like, what's this? It's something called Star Wars. Yeah, I'll take a look. Maybe I'll have my manager let me read for it. Submit me for it. <laughs> so um, we talk about a lot of those things and more. That one's fun. And ultimately, uh, I was emailing with this individual earlier today, the Tilly Bridges conversation about the Matrix being a trans allegory and all the different signs in the Matrix series that show that it very much is a trans allegory. I loved that episode. It was mind-blowing. 
Uh, I know Garrett Briones, who's going to be on the show today, is a big Matrix fan. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And, of course, my good friend uh, Christian Blatt from the Blattcast and Marvel Movie Talk and the Geekscape uh, uh, Book Club. He is on the podcast today. And let me finally get to this episode. It's all about uh, Across the Spider-Verse, the uh, second Spider-Verse movie that Sony's put out, Sony Animation. And uh, we're just going to talk about it. This is, and I'm going to give you the warning right now for those of you checking this out. uh, This is the Geekscape Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse special. Um, I'm going to tell you now, I'll repeat it again after the theme song, but we're going to heavily spoil this movie. We're going to get into all the cameos. We're going to get into all the new characters and where they originated in the comics and what they mean and where we think this fits in the Spider-Verse saga. I think we got three movies here. We saw the first one. The second one, I've seen it twice. And uh, we're not going to tell you too much about the third one that is coming uh, but maybe we'll, we'll we'll see what we might think uh, that movie will include. Uh, maybe some characters we haven't seen yet in the Spider-Verse. And maybe some characters we've seen in other parts of the Marvel Universe and the Spider-Verse. Uh, as long as Sony has the rights to them. Uh, but yeah, this, this, you're in the right spot. If you want to talk all things Spider-Verse, you're in the right spot. Uh, let's play the theme song. Hang tight. We'll be right back. And we'll talk all things across the Spider-Verse on a brand new Geekscape. All right, Geekscapists, I gave you your warning. This is the Geekscape Across the Spider-Verse special. And, uh, uh, well, I'm not going to hold back anymore. The spoilers are going to come fast and furious. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, <laughs> Garrett goes, are we talking fast and furious? No, we're not. Sorry, y'all didn't get your Fast 10 special. Uh, I, maybe Garrett, I'll just give him the reins and he can do a Fast 10 special by himself. Uh, I've seen the movie. Uh, I thought it was tight, uh, but this is not the place for that. Um, unless unless Vin and The Rock show up in the third Spider-Verse movie. I don't think we're going to be talking about them uh, on this one. But um, uh, here's, here's I've already taught, said his name a few times. Let me bring them in. Here's, here's Garrett and Christian. Um, <laughs> oh, man, what a mess that intro was, guys. Christian... I think I get super self-conscious whenever you're on the show because you're such a great host. Uh, I love having you on the network. Um, and sometimes when I see you in the waiting room to come on the podcast, I'm like, do a better job for Garrett, uh, for, for Christian. And then I'm like, no, 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 that's hurting. No, 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 no. Stop th- overthinking it. Ah, crush and burn. And then Garrett is my ward. Uh, after his <laughs> yes. family was killed in a trapeze accident set up by Two-Face, um, I brought Garrett into the Geekscape network and trained him as my ward. And I'm trying to make set a good example for him. And that ain't, that ain't flying. So here we go. This is what we're left with. And we're talking spider. <laughs> we're talking across the spider verse. How are you guys doing? By the way, I called the one 900 number and I voted for Garrett to live. By the way, I thought that <laughs> Thank uh, you. was an unfair thing to put out you, there. It was a split decision. 
you you made it go one way. You you said, and also I just want to say for a podcast called Geekscape, I think it's not fair that you didn't talk about Fast X, which stars the two on-screen live-action Aquaman, and you you just glossed right over. You didn't talk about it. You didn't spend twenty minutes talking about our two Aquaman st- side by side on the big screen, and I was personally offended. I mean, that. Captain Marvel's in that movie too. Come on. It yeah, no, no, we got Captain Marvel, movie. we've got the Smallville Aquaman, we've got the Snyderverse Aquaman, uh, yeah, Fast 10, and we, of course, obviously we have Groot in there. Yeah, uh, I think you missed the boat on that. Groot. Uh, you know what? Uh, they should have put Adrian Grenier from uh, Entourage in there, and they could add a hat trick <laughs> of Aquaman. The, the good news is, uh, there's not going to be any shortage of Fast movies <laughs> that no, we can talk about Give me future. all of them. <laughs> Regardless of... What uh, the studio wanted, and then what Vin announced uh, on the red carpet, much to the surprise of the studio. <laughs> Have you heard that story? And then we'll get the Spider Verse. Have you heard this story? That like yeah, the, the that, studio no. and Vin had made an agreement, like, "Hey, this is going to be a two-parter." And I knew really early on in my work with Universal that that even though Fast Ten was like all roads lead to the end, and this is the end, maybe. Uh, I knew early on that it ends with a to be continued tag. And that there was going to be at least an X.5 or whatever, the X11, whatever the next one was going to be. But that it was going to be the second part of a two-parter to close out the Fast and Furious series. And I think that that was the intention of the studio. And supposedly when he was on the red carpet for Fast X, he started talking about all the sequels he wanted to do and have planned. <laughs> and then it hit the internet. And the studio's like, say what? <laughs> and Vince's like, oh man, all roads are going to keep going into forever. We're going to give them so many more fast movies. And the studio's like, uh... Where's his retain? Where's it? Where's his this is X trilogy, baby? Oh my goodness! Uh, but yeah, you're getting an, an X point two or whatever the heck this well, next movie and, is. And obviously, we all have to be excited for the third Fast X because then it'll be Fast XXX and it'll be the crossover mm-hmm. Fast and Triple X. It's finally that'd be Zan- sick. Welcome to the Xander Zone. <laughs> and and I think Ice Cube should also be in that one. Why not? And and I think I think we should crossover have both Triple X agents. Coming in and, and it wasn't Ice Cube the, the second triple X yes. agent? State of I think the we should have him. Yeah. And Samuel Jackson should just be screaming at all of them. Yeah. Be like, get over Riddick. <laughs> well, guys, uh, we're joking about. Fast and Furian? Uh, we're, we're, we're joking about the, the, the Vin uh, universe, but the truth is, um, that is not a bad segue into a Spider Man across the universe. Uh, this movie has so many surprises and does such a great job of weaving all of the Spider-Man, both animated and live action into this movie that let's just start from the beginning. Um, I've seen the movie twice, so it's pretty clear. I absolutely loved it. Uh, I think it's better than the first one. And the first one is a perfect movie to me. This is a perfect movie. If that is something that can exist, this movie improved on a movie that I thought was perfect. Uh, and I and now I'm just calling all three films its own story because this one maybe picks up eight months a year after the first one. Miles is taller. There's a great animation showing that he's gotten older. Um, he's now a sophomore in, uh, you know, at Visions Academy in Brooklyn. That's hilarious uh, because there's a scene about him, whether or not he's going to go where he wants to go to college. And that introduces the whole story that I think is integral to this one. This second movie, which is 
moving on, saying goodbye to your parents, like saying goodbye, saying goodbye to home. And of course, that is right before that whole theme is introduced right before he is ripped into this new journey into the Spider-Verse. Um, so I loved this movie and like rolling it back. One of the things I loved about it a lot was, and I'd heard this, but I, I went in fresh with this movie. Nobody really spoiled anything in it. And, and I'm grateful for that. Um, this is a Gwen story in a major way. And the way that Miles felt fresh for a lot of new uninitiated audience members in the first movie who only really knew Peter and they were getting to meet Gwen, but really getting to meet miles. Cause the focus on the first one was on miles. This is just as much a Gwen movie as it is a miles movie in a lot of ways. And when it started, the movie starts on Gwen. I was like, yeah, they're going to nail it again because this is, this is great. And we get Gwen's origin story. And I can only guess that in the third movie, we may get another character's origin story that goes into that theme and if it's the older Peter Parker, whose origin we've seen a lot, um, maybe it's an origin of fatherhood in that one. But but um, let's let's talk, guys. What did y'all think of the movie? I think y'all both hated it intensely, correct? Yeah, uh, I didn't like it. I don't, I don't know why you invited me here. I thought we were talking about Aquaman. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, going you know not to not to immediately bring it back to Fast X, but you mentioned obviously you that it, up, I knew it was a mistake. <laughs> I knew it was, first off, I knew it was Wait, a mistake to invite you for that reason. For <laughs> a, a second, uh, you came dressed as tombstone from spider-man <laughs> look there's no overhead uh, if, lighting, if you're okay. watching this on youtube my Facebook universe has no overhead Twitch. lighting um but you you mentioned that movie is on like one of the most cliffhangerous like it, it is a cliffhanger like textbook cliffhanger it like yes. it ends the, Did movie. the audience laugh in your theater when fast x ended and it said to be no continued. but my girlfriend gasps um but uh <laughs> and um but that has like the story of that movie is not complete what I really enjoyed speaking to what you said about it might be when, overdrawn, but it's not complete. Hey, it's, it, it's my point being it's overcooked, but it's when, not complete. What I what I really liked is that yes, this ends because originally it was titled Part One, but then they changed the sequel's name to give them separate identities. But what I enjoyed was Gwen's story is what makes this film not feel incomplete. She has a full arc. Miles, they kind of make you think his full arc is happening, but there is a, a rug pulled out from under him after he seemingly completes his arc. Um, but I, I just, I loved it. And from the second it started, you know, when once just the logos came on, I and we were back in that, you know, the glitchy vibe, I was like, oh, I can just sit back for two hours. And I have never experienced a movie where I was dreading the end because I, my heart was beating out of my chest every time like in the last 15 minutes, anytime there was a cut, I was like, oh, no, this it's going to cut to black right here. Oh, okay. Oh, no, it's going to cut to black right here. And then it would it kept going on for like 15 minutes. Um, but I absolutely adore this movie. And it is like the first one as a, you know, a young up and coming filmmaker. It is they are so endlessly inspiring to see what can continue to be done uh, in the medium of film. Just the creativity involved and each character getting their own unique style was something that we were introduced in the first movie but now that you're starting the movie in gwen's universe and i don't think we 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 didn't venture into the spider-verse in the first movie to this degree but i mean we saw glimpses of where this the various spiders came from but here we have like a ton of stretches in other universes and they all have distinct animated styles and i thought gwen's animated style was super sad it reminded me of the artist who's doing the covers for human target right now in the oh, whole kind uh, of like, small 
Greg Swal- that whole bleeding thing that he's got, like a Phil Noto style mm-hmm. that was just really, really emotional. And her moments with her father are just beautiful. And again, part of that full circle you're talking about, this whole story of fatherhood and leaving home and doing her the right thing. Um, Gwen learns to step up in this movie. Miles starts to learn that he belongs, but <laughs> he oftentimes finds himself in the wrong place, not unlike the ending of this movie. Uh, I am key in the, the comments over on YouTube says, Gwen pissed me off so bad, but just as quickly, someone hopped into Facebook and says, no, nah, Gwen was the highlight of the movie. I couldn't believe they animated her whole backstory. And they did it so economically, which is something that they did in Spider-Verse, in the first Spider-Verse movie. These, these origins are so economic and so much fun. Um, all right, Christian, as someone who hated the first movie intensely, yeah. do you hate this one as much? I'm well, putting words in your mouth. I, I, I am not going to say that I hated this movie, but I did come with a hot take. I am going to reserve judgment on this movie until it ends because uh, I knew there was another one, but I didn't know that this was literally damsel tied to the train track and, uh, you know, hero about to go over a waterfall. And I'm like, oh, it's going to end like that. Oh, okay. I see what you're doing. Oh, so I you didn't, didn't think this was ended. a two-parter? No, but I didn't think it was that kind of two-parter. Okay. because you know I, mean? yeah. so I didn't know it was like going to leave him in peril. And so I, I went to go see it with my wife. And by the way, I loved it. But it's uh, it's hard to compare it to the first one because I have like a complete feel for that movie. And I think that this was fantastic. There's so much great about it. But there was that moment of like, wait, what? You know, I was <laughs> it, like, but but I mean, he just he, he, he's going to shock himself. Right. Or what? what you know, what's going to happen? You as know? Garrett was saying, there were mo- a couple Return of the King moments where you're like, OK, now it's going to end. Now it's going to end. <laughs> but but unlike. But it wasn't in a frustrating fashion because mm-hmm. the characters were so interesting and what they were going through was yeah. so unresolved on a story level. Like ultimately the big spoiler is when Miles comes back from Spidey HQ and like the tower, you know, the Captain Britain Tower of Spider-Man, <laughs> you know, like when he comes back from that that world where Spider-Man 2099 has assembled basically the Spidey Corps, the Spidey Corps, and, and he goes back to his home because he was bit by a spider not of his universe the machine sends him back to another universe where there is no spider-man it's terrible and miles there is the bad guy and it's like oh crap his father's gone in that universe the entire city's gone to crap uh his uncle's alive but he's turned miles into the villain and this whole thing is going bottom up but here comes gwen assembling some of the spideys we we enjoyed from this movie along with all the spideys we enjoyed from the last movie and it's go time and i can't wait for the new one it's coming out in a year um let's go back though when they first when started can i just interject yeah yeah, yeah, please we're talking about uh garrett was talking about it from just the filmmaking standpoint the uh, the cross cutting between Gwen outside looking in and Miles inside and making us think that she was outside. You know, it's it's like that. So Miles that is moment. in Miles is in the forty two universe where the spider yes. came from, but it's not his. Gwen's back in his he, universe, right. about to go into his it's, house. They're not the same house. They're not the same universes, but they're cross cutting between them, making it sound like making it seem like she's yeah, listening in on it, Miles's conversation with the not mom of uh, Universe Forty Two. And I haven't been duped like that since Silence of the Lambs, when mm-hmm. uh, Clarice Starling is. We see her knocking at the house where we know the guy is, but all the FBI backups at the wrong house, so there's mm-hmm. no one there with her. You know, it was one of those like, 
oh no. So it was like a great feeling. And yeah, there was a lot of like, you know, because I was just like, okay, well, where are we going to leave this at? You know, I, I wasn't at no time did I check my watch. So I knew that this was a two hour and 20 minute movie, but I didn't know when we hit the two hour mark. There, I was there so clues. engrossed by what was happening. You know what I the mean? music chain, the music starts to tell you this is off and this is bad. And then, um, some of the shots of Gwen outside show a little bit of the bedroom and it is not nearly as decorated as mm-hmm. the one that miles and his mother are in. And, uh, no, no. Well, they're not decorated the same and you start to see clues to the windows. And if you're, if you're listening in on the car, if you're like looking into the window and as Gwen is listening to the conversation, and if you're in the, the bedroom, looking out the window, looking for Gwen, you start to notice that the bedrooms are not the same and this is starting to get really bad. And, and I started to, th- and, and then of course you go back to the origin, the original conversation with the spot who I, when they announced the spot, I thought he was going to be a bit character. I thought he was going to be really funny. He was going to introduce a joke. Like maybe it was going to be like, you know, one of the, maybe, maybe Miles Morales is fighting the rhino and it's a throwaway. And then he goes and actually there's a big bad, right? Um, Spot very much starts to become the big bad in this movie. And to a degree, the second movie, we'll see where it goes. The third movie, we'll see where it goes. But um, the spot says, like, the spider that bit you is not from your universe. And when the music cue shifted and I started looking for clues in the bedroom, I was like, this motherfucker's not in the right universe. This He went to universe 42. I saw the movie again. And the, I love the movie so much that... The sound system at this Regal, <laughs> I went to a second Regal over, me, over near me. The sound system was so badly calibrated. Half the dialogue is unintelligible. It's just drowned out by the music. You couldn't get the last couple lines that Gwen said. I'd already seen the movie, so I kind of knew it was. So I knew the stuff that was going on and being said. But I still enjoyed the hell out of it, even if I couldn't tell <laughs> half of the shit. And I got a free ticket for the next time. <laughs> um, but damn, I. Uh, I love this movie. Uh, when the spot wasn't like leaked kind of as the villain again, I thought this was a throwaway, but as they did with the spoiler in this miles Morales video game, as they did here with his uncle, like this is the best version of these spider, uh, these, these villains. Mm-hmm. This is easily the best version of the spot. He's still a goofball. He's still like Jason Schwartzman voiced goofball. Do we take him seriously? Do we not? But, now he's starting to power up into a pretty alpha level villain and he's awesome and he's yeah. fun still, but he's whoever, awesome. Whoever connected the dots pun intended <laughs> unintentionally, but the idea of taking his spots to then being able to reach into the multiverse. I mean, he's a, you know, like a, a G level Spidey villain. And I was texting you guys earlier today from the first year I was reading comics, uh, I, I had an affinity for Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man. And so I remember this character really well. I always thought he looked really cool, the Spot. And he was just, I think he was just called Spot. And he wasn't around for very long. And he like popped up a few times, but I think that they were just like, all right, this is kind of a stupid character. I always thought it was such a cool idea and to really explore that. And then the idea that, you know, being this slighted, like, you know, if Miles had just taken him seriously, maybe he wouldn't have tried to level up the way he did. I thought was, uh, you know, if he wasn't trying to make it to the, his, his the the college meeting, you know, if, mm-hmm. if he had taken the time to fight him, 
maybe none of this would have happened. It's like, okay, I respect you. I'm going to have to, you know, beat you the way that I need to because I'm Spider-Man. I thought it was such a fascinating way to take such a minor character. And, you know, much in the way that, you know, you can be surprised by the, the feelings that I have for Rocket Raccoon, you know, 10 years after spending time with him in the movies, whereas like he was also kind of a throwaway character. So finding those gems, I thought was fantastic. And just the sequences with Spot obviously uh, looked pretty amazing. And um, I I thought that um, it was it was such a it, it was such a great it's a great foil for a character that I agree with you, Jonathan. I was like, okay, so Spot's in this, but who's the actual bad guy? Like you wouldn't, you know, never for a second did you think like, oh my gosh, it's going to be all about Spot. You know? But those are the Mysterio level fight. Like this reminded me of the yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal Mysterio fight that mm. really made him a heavy in the second Tom Holland movie. Like these, it was so creative and the, the choreography is creative in every single scene. And then they're just adding this, the, 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 uh, the characters to it. I sent y'all a clip earlier about the the in the Indian uh, Spider-Man when they go to um, like Mumbai, Hatton or whatever, wherever the place was that's like all India style, yeah. and how they based his movements on Indian martial arts, which is like the first original martial arts from like a thousand years ago plus, and how they just studied the movements for each Spider character to make them really distinct, and then they had the distinct animations on top of it. Um, the amount of work and creativity that went into this, it doesn't feel like they left a stone uncovered. There wasn't anything in, this, in these movies that didn't work for me. Even a little bit of that Return of the King, you know, plotting that happened at the end where I'm like, okay, when's this, I'm, this movie's kind of wearing me out because I'm at like an emotional high <laughs> for a little too <laughs> long here and the tension's really well done. Um, Garrett, uh, this movie, you're you're a, a younger than I'm just gonna guess you're younger than Christian. And I, uh, no, you, you, you very much are. But uh, some of the characters in this movie, like who are some of your favorite Spidey cameos? Because everybody's kind of gravitating towards Spider Man 2099, and obviously mm-hmm. he's a badass. But uh, the 90s comics got so bad that by the time 2099 rolled out, uh, I kind of skipped the whole market <laughs> on Spider Man 2099. Uh, also, the Ben Riley. He's got a Ben Riley's kind of in this quite a bit, um, mainly as a gag, but that's mm. because the Clone War like saga stuff in Spider Man <laughs> in the 90s was so bad. So we'll have Christian explain some of well, yeah, and, and I'll just that, that, that was that was the end of me reading Spider Man. Oh, the Ben Riley's <laughs> Clone Saga, the Clone Saga, it, it, because yeah, they're going back to the 70s with the whole Jackal storyline, yeah, yeah. The Jackal because I had read Peter those, and, I had read those back issues, and then there was there's because the, to go back to like Amazing Spider Man 148, there's this moment where Peter is like, Wait, what if I'm still the clone? Nah, I'm just gonna throw these lab results away, and as a, I think a nine-year-old reading that, those back issues, I was just like, that'd be stupid if he came mm. back. <laughs> and then, you know, and it took like a good decade, but then he did. And yeah, Ben Riley's back. And not only is Ben Riley back, but like they, they've kind of assassinated Ben Riley in the most recent like yeah. storyline. Like he is, he's yeah. like chaos or chasm. Chasm. And yeah, I don't think there's any coming. Like, I don't see how the X-Men reclaim beast either after the actions he's doing in X-Force which is just horrific. Um, I think Beast and 
Ben Riley are pretty much like unsalvageable at this point without a complete reboot of those characters. This is why Kane Parker, uh, the other Spider-Man clone, is the best. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we didn't get Kane. We did. Yeah, that, uh, movie not, sucks. Yeah. We didn't get Kane. Not Throw yet. it out. Um, who? Yeah, but I'm so, sorry. I, I, so in I, the seventies, uh, on uh, Garrett's answer. Yeah. Well, well Peter had this this time, this college professor who ended up being the jackal, and yes. he was obsessed with Gwen, right? Mary Jane, or was he obsessed with Gwen? Gwen. And, and Gwen, basically, he, Gwen, he, Gwen was dead by that point. Oh, yeah, okay. I see. So he, he created the Gwen clone. I'm he sorry, created the Gwen clone, the Gwen clone, and his whole point, the jackal's whole freaking point, was just cloning. And in the clone saga, he had convinced Peter. You're not real. You're the clone. Ben Riley loved being Spider-Man. Uh, had Peter's memories. Was convinced he was the real Spider-Man. And then this series just went on way too long in the in the '90s. Frustrated the hell out of us. We start realizing there's multiple clones of Peter, and um, ultimately, like the rugs getting pulled off of all of them, only to find out what we all knew that Peter's the true Peter, the true Spider-Man. He's not a clone. And now these other clones, like the Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley's like running around in there. But I don't know. Seeing him in the movie as like the example of 90s angst <laughs> and like Todd McFarlane like torment was fucking hilarious. He was used as a gag in this movie. And we'll see if he reclaims himself in the next one. I thought that was interesting that they kind of turned him into the butt of a joke. You know, you're talking about what the current comics did to his legacy. This this movie didn't help either. You know, as soon as you get <laughs> yeah. Andy Samberg, and it's hysterical. I don't have an affinity for the Scarlet Spider or the Ben Riley character or whatever you want to call him. But I was just like, I think they did him a little bit too dirty in this. You know Marvel I mean? did it. Marvel did yeah. it in the Dark Web storyline with the X-Men and Spider-Man, where he becomes like second to madeline Pryor, he and madeline Pryor team up and they're sitting over there in hell bringing it to to new york and it's like basically uh if you liked x-men inferno in the late 80s as a storyline like this is like and i did i, I did too but this yeah. felt like a rehash of x-men inferno yeah. with spider-man thrown in the middle of it mainly ben riley um and I don't see how you come back from that because Ben Riley was doing some pretty awful things and became a pretty awful character. Yeah, not if to make only, this the Ben Riley yeah. hour, but I do love uh, Marvel, modern Marvel publishing being, you know, the, they had the, before he became Chasm, they had the Spider Man Beyond arc where he was, they were like, fans, we're giving you what you want. Ben Riley, he's getting his redemption. He's Spider Man again. And then that was all just. Uh, so washed away. Uh, it was like he yanked. Um, well, they've been they've been hyping Spider Man twenty ninety nine, but like I just said, I skipped a lot of that because the nineties, like where, like Jonathan just had to protect himself in indie books in the nineties mm. and be like, I'm just gonna read Concrete and Sin City and Madman and Hellboy because I can't deal with this anymore. I can't no more foil covers, no more bagged editions. I can't do this anymore. This is hurting my soul. Uh, who wants Although I do miss hologram here. covers. I agree with everything <laughs> you said, except I would like a, a hologram cover once in a while. How do we... Um, and Daniel is following along in the YouTube being like, I mean, his memories were jacked. And, and he also <laughs> wants Beast dead in the uh, current X-Men. He wants um, the animated version of... The animated series version of Beast back. I want Jolly Beast. I want the I want the Jolly Beast from the Avengers and the X-Men in the 80s. Um, what the hell is up with Spider-Man 2099? Just in general, I mean, it's uh, it's interesting because it's not a, you know, that is definitely an era where I was checked out on a lot of things. Um, it's, by the way, it's a great suit. You have to start with that. Ben Riley and Scarlet Spider, not a great suit. But 
the the Spider-Man 2099, just the look of it. And I mean, reading about it, it's like I was remembering one, Rick Leonardi is the one who designed the costume. And that's what that's one of my favorite fill-in artists. He didn't really do a lot of like regular stuff until 2099, but there's like key issues of X-Men he would fill in. And uh, Peter David wrote that series, you know, yep. and right, right up until they the yanked it. Yeah, he, almost all of it until uh, until they basically revamped the 2099 line and uh, kind of canceled it. So, you know, I mean, I think that this version of the character, you you don't need to have the familiarity of the, the comic book version. Uh, obviously, there there are similarities, but this is just so much further, you know, where he's running the 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 spider he's not running the spider verse i love that he had that really long name for it which uh if i had gotten a chance to see it a second time before today i would have written down but uh i just remember the word arachnid was in it mm-hmm. but and so to have but he's of all the spider-men that we are the most familiar with well i guess it's all the spider people because they aren't all men but uh, you know all the spideys that we're familiar with he seems like it, it's a very logical choice by warden miller i think They're like yeah he's going to be running this and also he's kind of like the least spidey spidey that we know because he doesn't have the sentimentality and the, the Jake Johnson spidey, uh, the, the one with Mayday, uh, he, he's like, you know, we're supposed to like laugh once in a while, but mm-hmm. he's just not that, he's not yeah. that spidey. Spider-Man's and, supposed to be funny. Why aren't you funny? Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. And, and, uh, I think that, uh, the, those roles are great and you can kind of also see where, People are like, okay, you've explained to us why this is important. But you, even in the, like, the middle of this movie, you start to see the fractures amongst, you know, some of our reliables. You know, Gwen isn't all in. I mean, she's new to it. She doesn't want to go home. And uh, I, don't, I don't. What do we call him? Peter B. Parker. Is that the Jake yeah, Johnson? Well, yeah, he's Peter, Peter B. B. Parker. Parker. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I think that uh, you know the the amount of interaction we get amongst all of them. I think that uh, you know it's interesting because. With with uh, Spidey twenty ninety nine being essentially he's the sort of the the sub adversary he's not the <laughs> villain that that somehow is the spot. But he's got a great reason to do it. We can talk canon events here in a bit. Yeah. He's got he's got his justified reasons yeah. for being against but Miles all, even existing. All, considering all Miles it, was know, not bit by a spider from his universe, yeah. Spider in his in his own way is a breaking of canon. Yeah, all your all your good villains, or your good adversaries, uh, always think they have a good reason, and right. the really good ones are good up until a point. You know, when Magneto starts doing his checklist of things, you're like, oh, the first three sound really good, and then he's like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna liquidate uh, the Homo sapiens. I'm like, dude, you yeah. lived through the Holocaust. Who, what are you What are you talking about? You know? Magneto's original storyline is like, I'm gonna remove nuclear armaments from the world powers. And then I'll possibly use them against some of them. <laughs> like, wait, wait, hold up. Hold up. We like the part where you're taking like yeah. nukes off of subs. And then you find out in the return of Magneto later on, you know, especially the that first Jim Lee issue where yeah. they kind of recreate the Magneto as a villain. But now it's the, the, the kind of the very first Jim Lee X-Men book when they find out what happened to those submarines from uncanny X-Men number one, where Magneto had removed the, the, the nukes and you see that all the corpses were at the bottom of the ocean. He's like, Oh yeah, I guess this, I guess mm. they did. Die. 
Huh. It's like, oh, yeah, he, he handled it a lot differently than <laughs> Superman, the quest for peace. It wasn't really the, the, the I think Golan Globus would have saved him from being the <laughs> Golan Globus and Canon films had just Canon films almost made a Spider-Man movie. So that it fits. Um, okay. So Spider-Man 2099 is in this movie. Uh, I thought he was great. Oscar Isaac connect. You know, I'll watch him eat a box for money. He's an incredible actor. Um, well, if you watch, if you watch that Lewin Davis money, you kind of did. The Lewin Davis <laughs> I liked, movie. I liked, I liked inside Lewin. Davis. I, I like parts of it. Yeah. yeah. But. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man 2099. I think he's justified in not wanting these canon events to happen or, or, or not happen. And geeks gave us what I mean by that. And you've seen the movie. I freaking hope by now mm-hmm. uh, is that when, when a canon event does not happen in a Spider-Man's universe, it starts to erode the universe out of existence. And in that way, um, Miles' own universe, Miles in himself is not canon. In a canon event, we've all heard the the Peter Parker and his uncle dying and he didn't save Uncle Ben. That that happens, a version of that story happens in every Spider-Man's origin, including Gwen's. And in Gwen, she didn't save Peter. And she had the, the powers and she didn't save Peter. And that's her Uncle Ben moment is like, oh, no, I didn't know it was Peter who I was fighting because Peter had taken some version of the lizard formula and turned into a monster. And when when Gwen fought him, Peter ended up dying and then she realized it too late. And now it's a, that's her origin. Everybody has to have that tragic origin. What I love is that canon event ASM 90, named after Amazing Spider-Man number 90, is the one where Captain Stacy is crushed by the water tower in the Doc Ock fight. We saw a version of that in the very in Amazing Spider-Man 1 with Andrew Garfield and with Dennis Leary playing Captain Stacy. And he's killed. And uh, obviously we see his daughter witness Spider-Man and be like, oh my God, Spider-Man just killed my dad. This is a whole issue. Um, Captain Stacy dies in almost every telling of Spider-Man or some captain has to die. Uh, in the storyline, we have Miles Morales' father about to make captain. And that is the storyline here is like, oh, Miles has to get back to his universe to stop his father from being killed in the canon event. Uh, earlier, they uh, they keep a captain from being killed in the India Earth and it starts to erase the entire planet, which is a problem. And the only reason it happened was because Miles was there. Miles shouldn't have been there because Miles, Spider-Man 29 argues, shouldn't exist because he was bit by a spider not of his universe. He in himself is an abnormality and the only Spider-Man that is not bit by the spider of his their universe. So he shouldn't exist. Um, I love these logics. I loved all this. I love how the spot, mm-hmm. as when he was a scientist, was responsible for the spider coming from Universe 42 and being in Miles's universe, the not 616, and biting Miles. But I also love, for the first time, and we saw it early, we see some live action in this in a really creative way, including the Venomverse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we see the like convenience store from Venom and the Asian lady in it. And I thought that was so awesome and creative that the spot, when he starts discovering that he can access universes through his holes, and he starts accessing all these different universes, he sticks his head through a hole and he's facing the Asian lady in the convenience store from Venom. I thought that was so awesome. And it showed you. I also like, loved her reaction, was, which is like, "Yeah, I've seen yeah, way stranger than this." No, I've seen so. a, I've seen a guy turn into a symbiote and eat some stuff. <laughs> yeah. like, no, this is the spot. This isn't a thing. I'm not impressed. Uh, what do y'all think about some of the live action stuff? Because it ultimately ties in all the other live action Spider Mans. Uh, I mean, I funny enough that that scene. I I saw like a because I don't watch trailers or anything. I saw like or even TV spots. Huh? Um, Was it in the I, TV spot? 
there was someone posted that and I was I, like, it was from a TV spot. And I thought to myself, I was like, oh, this is just a fun little, little marketing thing. Like you, something you could imagine would be like just something they did for marketing. Yeah. And then when I saw the comment saying, yeah, they just edited in that footage from one of the Venom movies. No, that yeah. was shot for this for sure. I thought that, that's what I thought it was. And um, for me, I just think that is such a cool way because for years now, since they started making these movies, people have assumed that. If Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire, and or Andrew Garfield like showed up, they would just be in the animation style. But I think that just makes the idea of a multiverse even more exciting that like, no, there are, and we kind of see this a little bit in Multiverse of Madness, there are different planes of reality. It's not even just, oh, there's multiple Earths where people look similar. No, it's like some people, you look like a cartoon or you look like a like a, a flesh like person. <laughs> or uh, you look it, like Legos. Yeah. Or you look like the Lego Legos. stuff was incredible. The Lego stuff I was awesome. Yeah. Uh, having the uh, the '70s cartoon Spidey swing through the that that was incredible. Yeah. Um, ultimately, having Donald Glover show up in a cameo as the Prowler of of the of the Tom Holland Earth mm-hmm. was awesome because that's the MCU Earth. And yeah. Yeah. when you're in the, I'm just going to keep calling it the captain britain core <laughs> tower because mm-hmm. it feels like you know like in the x in the x books in the marvel books like the like captain britain and the whole britain core are in mm-hmm. charge of all the different multiverses and their realities and all that stuff and they have to keep them clean in their tower that's what this spider-man 2099 reminded me of and when you're in that spidey hq and you're going through all the different versions of the rhino different versions of craven you see all the prowlers and then miles animated miles comes face to face with donald glover sitting dressed like the Prowler. And that's the first Tom Holland movie where he's talking about his nephew, Miles Morales. With that, also, that frame is one of the most satisfying things I've ever seen, even beyond the fact that he's the Prowler. Donald Glover is one of the reasons why Miles Morales as a character exists. Because back in 2011, when people were... uh, When we were going to get a new Peter Parker, there was a fan campaign for Let Donald Glover Audition... And then on an episode of Community, he he acknowledged that and he wore a Spider-Man shirt. And then when Brian Michael Bendis and Sarah Pichelli were making Miles Morales, that was one of the immediate inspirations. And so it was just such a cool, like full circle moment to have just this moment beyond it just being like, oh, this is a version of my uncle. It's the guy that inspired the character sharing the screen with the what has become the de facto version of Miles Morales was it. It blew my mind just thinking about that. It works on so many levels. And, of course, you have a clip, a live-action clip. But when we're seeing the canon events of Uncle Ben's death, you see mm-hmm. – you see. oh, no, when you see Captain Stacy's death, yeah. you see the Dennis Leary, Andrew Garfield, Amazing Spider-Man film one mm-hmm. on there to show the canon event for ASM 90. And then you see Uncle Ben and Tobey Maguire in that sequence in one of the, in one of the screens to show the canon event for Uncle Ben's death. And now you know it's all fair game. All the live action's fair game if it's under Sony. All this. And um, I'm just going to shout it out right now. In Gwen's universe, when the spot comes... No, this is Miles' universe. Uh, no. Miles' universe, The uh, if I'm remembering this correctly, when the spot manages to get to um, the lab's and it's the building, and he's put a bunch of holes in the building, and he's going through the office looking for a way to make himself more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Jonathan uh, Crane uh, image, like picture sitting on a desk, 
and isn't that Morbius? <laughs> like, there's some that like oh, wow. like like there's a Morbius mm-hmm. shout out in there because I saw that the second time I watched it when they get to the building and it's all Swiss cheesed because the spot's been there and he's mm-hmm. already activated it and Gwen is late because she was goofing around with Miles as Miles Universe. Um, this is where. Uh, they get to it and Gwen's going, Oh no, 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 no. I'm too late. And she's looking through the visual replay of what had happened. And the spots going through at trying to create a device to make himself more powerful and get to another universe. Um, and they're just doing a replay as she's going through there. She passes a desk that has a picture of two employees from, I'm going to mess up the lab name. The one that Alchemax. No, Alchemax. Uh, and it's got a Jonathan Crane picture in there. <laughs> it says Jonathan mm-hmm. Crane. And I'm like, Damn, let's do that. Obviously, the Cra- obviously Craven's in here. Obviously, Rano's in here. We see them in the Spidey Tower, but now we got Morbius. I can't wait so for that. Perhaps in the for, next yeah. one, we have a live action Jared Leto. Someone will have to tell us that it's Morbin time in the next one, or <laughs> they're going to tell us off screen that Spider Man twenty ninety nine beat the crap out of Michael Keaton uh, <laughs> because he was on the wrong Earth. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Uh, I mean, I, you've, I, you've when met you're talking about the, the live action. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. I mean, uh, Garrett, you've met one of the writers. Of yes, I have. Morbius, our good friend. Uh, yes. And you heard the story about the Michael Keaton reshoot for that. Yeah, uh, I, I believe. Yes. <laughs> the Lego scene was amazing. I love seeing Parked Parker, like, mm. like Peter Parker, Parked Car. Park, that Park, was amazing. Parked Car, yeah. Uh, it was which, good to see Lowenthal in the movie. Yeah, that was huge. Josh Keaton. Yeah. That was a big one for me personally as as a kid that grew up on uh, Spider-Man, the animated series and Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man. That was when that was coming out. And what what I loved about Josh's appearance in particular um, is that the cameos in this movie, they were all great and they were all like fun or maybe they're for a joke or something. But they also were poignant. They they meant something to the story. Not and. He has a line. I will admit, I had a hard time hearing his particular line, but he. You go to my he, theater? Uh, <laughs> maybe. Time. I think I popped into that one. Um, but also, I, I like that even, you know, he, his series got undercut before it could really keep going. And they even, as a nice little thing, they show Captain, that him holding his Captain Stacy and, and talking to him, that never happened in the show. So they gave like a little nugget of what happened to that character afterwards. And I just thought that. There, the, like, there's obviously so many cameos. Even seeing like someone like Spider-Man Unlimited in there. I remember watching reruns of that on on JetX and Disney XD, and um, I just thought that they were all. None of them were just cameos for cameo's sake. They were they informed what was happening in the story, or where Miles was, or what we needed at that point in the film. Uh, for me, the the shout out to my gateway Spidey was uh, there's a very obscure character that was one of the ones that was isolated. Uh, called Video Man. He's a, like a video game character, which was created by Electro. And I think the first episode of Spidey, and, uh, no, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. There's a uh-huh. confusing title that's very similar to that right now, which my five-year-old daughter watches, which is fantastic. Yeah, but, watches that one. Yeah. So, uh, so the fact, I was like, wait, I was like, I'm sorry, is that Video Man there? But then Donald Glover showed up. And so then I was like, all right, that's bigger. The, <laughs> well, the, ele- the Electric Factory Spider-Man was my favorite when he's swinging at oh the camera. Oh my gosh, <laughs> they could have had, because Morgan Freeman used to announce those. So that's all you needed. Mm. And uh, what was the, uh, what was the MTV one where uh, Neil Patrick Harris was the voice of Spider-Man? Spider-Man, the, the new animated series. I've been okay. watching that currently. Flashy title. Yes. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. the Atari Spider-Man. 
was something else. Oh, like seeing, I, well, yeah. it was the, it was the Green Goblin. You saw the Green yeah. Goblin from the Atari game, mm-hmm. and right. I was like, "Holy shit! They are really leaving no stone unturned on this." And I'm loving every part of this movie. It is such a celebration. And I thought the first one was a good celebration mm-hmm. of Spider Man. This one was a good celebration of not just the comics as the first one was, but all of the media, the cartoons, the video games, the MCU, all of the live action stuff. The one person we miss, 70s live action Spider-Man and Japanese Spider-Man. Those are the two that we're waiting for for the next one. I'm hoping that uh, Nicholas Hammond uh, gets a cameo. Uh, That's the uh, 70s live action Spider-Man. And that was what that was part of the side. You know, I I was uh, writing on Twitter earlier today that it's like, oh, this is great. My text. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite text threads has finally come to the screen because of the three of us trade messages uh, an awful lot, actually. And the fact that we're talking about this. Yeah, Yeah, the three of us. (laughs) And uh, that was one of those things where I was just like, oh, I don't even know if that show had a moment where they showed Uncle Ben, where they could have had the mm-hmm. montage there. Because I haven't seen that much of that well, show. the age of Nick Hammond when he did that show, Uncle Ben was would have been 120. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, like... It's like a 45-year-old <laughs> The fact that he's never played Uncle Ben, uh, you know, Nicholas Hammond would be perfect for it. But yeah, and uh, Japanese Spidey, uh, I've seen I've seen that actor like interviewed uh, the actor who played you know the Japanese seventies Spidey. Uh, I, I hope we get everybody. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 I yeah, I just want to see everyone. But like you, the fact that we had a little glimpse of I think he's Spider Man sixty seven is the the original first animated series, and we heard just a little bit of his theme. I was just like, yeah, they're really throwing everything. Yeah, he's swung just a little screen. bit. Of it. I lost my shit. I lost. It. I lost <laughs> it. The Electric Factory Spider Man swung at the screen. I lost it, and um. Maybe I should get working on this, but my producer, Noam, who I was talking, he's been on the show before. I was talking to him just before the podcast, has been talking to Nick Hammond about a project outside of comics, outside of TV, outside of a bunch of stuff. But he he sent me a text a few months ago that was like, I just talked to Spider-Man. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it was Nicholas Hammond who played him in the 70s. And I should follow up on the promise of connecting us on a potential Geekscape because having... Nicholas Hammond on Geekscape to talk about being in the 70s, you know, maligned Spider-Man show. It never got his day in court. They did, it's like having, it's like Lou Ferrigno as the Incredible Hulk. Like people now remember it as kitschy and campy, but hey, when that's all you had, you loved it. You loved yeah. it. And yeah, I mean, before it, we started that... recording Geekscape on the Simon Pegg episode, and he came into my office and saw my DVDs and Blu-rays. The one he went straight to was Lou Ferrigno, Incredible Hulk. And he's and he took the box set that my brother got me for Christmas. He took it off the set. And he goes, is this all of them? And I go, yeah, it's the entire set of it's every Incredible Hulk one, uh, except for the two, the, except for the movies. And he goes, this is my childhood right here. This is what I loved the most. And I was like, uh, OK, he's, OK, you're ready for Geekscape. <laughs> you're and as if there was any doubt Simon Pegg would be ready for Geekscape, but he's a real one for sure. I love that stuff. I can't, I, I'm going to remind me of the text. See if Nick Hammond can come on Geekscape. <laughs> or maybe better yet, Nick Hammond should come on your show, Gary. You did such a great job with Kenny Johnson. You did a better oh, job you, with Kenny. You did a better mean, job with Kenny Johnson. I, I had, I'm the one who had Kenny Johnson. Yeah, on, yeah, but, uh, that was me. Yeah, I, 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 I also told uh, Kenny that uh, I am going to follow up with him, and I am going to talk uh, Incredible Hulk live action. Okay. With him. he would have done it the next day. You know, yeah, but Kenny I was like, Johnson I got to let him calm down. 
Yeah. Yeah. If anybody wants to find uh, that was, I think <clears throat> I looked it up before we started. March 6th uh, was when that episode of Geekscape. It's a few episodes back on the feed, Geekscape. Yeah. And it's and I'm not, Christian if, did a great job. V just thank you. Thank you uh, for that. But uh, V just celebrated its 40th anniversary just a few weeks ago. And uh, I think for fans of that, you're talking about Robert England earlier. Uh, that's uh, it's uh, so much. You know, he has so many great stories. You know, I mean, I think. I think uh, Kenny should uh, ha- have his own podcast somewhere at some point because I'd love to do it. Yeah. I know. Where, I mean, I know where he lives. We can just come over and just go over. Before. It's like, yeah, like we've got all this podcast equipment. equipment. Here we are, Kenny. Kenny, we were set up in your living room, and <laughs> just he'd be like, "What the heck is this?" But Kenny's so nice. I don't think he would say no. Um, <laughs> hey, man, if you want to broach the topic of a podcast with him, I'd love to have him. The V stories are amazing, and um, the, what I, what I like is that there was a major like magazine that came out with their V 40th anniversary story. And they, he didn't give half the great stories to them that you got. So Geekscape wins again. Um, uh, Daniel Drew says there were a couple newer spider people from the recent comics, like Son spider. And she had lines. Um, I thought that was awesome. I thought that, I mean, the, if the Tyrannosaurus Spider-Man was just introduced mm-hmm. in the spider verse comic that, that Dan Slott's doing is like an addendum to mm-hmm. The new Spider-Verse storyline. The one character we didn't see is Morlin, who I think is so important to the Marvel Comics Spider-Verse storyline that I'm glad he's not in this because mm-hmm. he's basically just a vampire who hunts Spider-Men and drains their energy. I'm glad that there was no Madam Web. I'm glad that there wasn't any Morlin. I'm glad that there wasn't anything to put. No Ezekiel. You don't, no Ezekiel. don't want Ezekiel up in there. Well, the problem with that is you also don't have Silk, who I think is a great character and somebody who's circled for a live action Sony adaptation. Well, anyway. Funny enough, her, her, her show I, I is called reason, Silk. Yeah. Sorry, her, her show is called Spider Society. Because they're, wait, wait, they're go, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Garrett. Sorry. Garrett said her show was called. It's called her. It, the it, show her, that they're for developing with her. I don't know if it's just a coincidence or not. It's called Silk Spider Society. That was one of the things that people had put out there. I, I don't know if it's just a coincidence, but it just it's funny. It ends up that way because her storyline um, came out of a storyline in the Marvel comics called Original Sin, and Original Sin was like. What are all the secrets about the Marvel characters that we didn't know from their origins? And it's stuff like Bruce Banner's origin with as the Hulk was tied into Tony Stark. And and if he, if Bruce ever found out, he would kill Tony. And, you know, it was kind of the stuff that we saw in um, Civil War in the MCU where it was like, we're going to add a little wrinkle to the origin of the Winter Soldier so that he wants to kill Tony Stark. Um, the only like wrinkle that has survived from original sin is the Spider-Man character Silk, who's the character who was uh, actually also bit by the spider. Uh, Originally she was the supposed to be the spider totem of earth more, not Peter. It kind of starts reminding me of the clone saga. So Mm -hmm. I'm weary on it, but to, but to protect her from Moreland, who's a group, a family of basically spidey vampires who want to just suck the, spider energy out of the spider-man of various universes hops universes to kill spider-man they put her in like a vault they put silk in a vault and trained her to like never come out and because she would be immediately detected by Morlin and hunted and that is why peter parker survived for so long because he's not the true spider totem of this reality yeah, she was supposed to be the bride that was she her was spider totem title. yes yeah so there's a lot when you get to characters like madame webb Moreland, Ezekiel, uh, who introduced the whole spider totem thing in J. Michael Straczynski's run. When you start to have these 
spider mythos characters, things start to get really messy. Um, because the comics have to come out much more frequently than the movies do. And they get messy. Like this most recent end of the Spider-Verse thing that Dan Slott's doing. I'm enjoying it. I think it's fun. But it introduces, I forget her name, but like Cassandra, who's like a wasp. It introduces the wasps that hunt spiders and eat spiders and that whole thing. And I'm like, okay, it's getting away from us. Let's not bring that into the MCU. I like how clean the, the Spider-Verse stuff is on film. Yeah. I thought we were going to put a lot of that stuff in that first Spider-Verse movie. I was beyond happy that they didn't and what we got was amazing. Not that that stuff's not fun on the page. It is. I like the spider mythology on the page. I think it's fun and silly. And But it, this is so streamlined and so clean. I mm-hmm. can't help but fall in love with these movies every time I watch them. And I love the, the idea of a third film. I don't like the idea that I have to wait nine months to a year to see it. What are some of the newer characters? I mentioned Tyrannosaurus Rex, Spidey. Um, what are the, some of the newer comic characters that we got in this movie? And then segueing into the talking about the third film, what are the ones we didn't see that might pop up in that third one? Like we got Ben Riley finally in this one. What are some of the ones that we would like to see in the third one that we didn't get here? I think my biggest disappointment was that we didn't get more spider ham. The fact that he was even in the first one and, you know, maybe they, you know, obviously he's going to be in the next one. Yeah. Yeah. He's in that final shot with the characters like spider noir and all that from the first one coming back. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they don't have to pay John Mulaney anything because uh, he didn't speak in this. So, uh, you know, I don't know if it was an availability thing. I feel like that that's not it at all. Um, because for me, from the first one, that was what blew my mind. I'm like, wait, they put Spider-Ham in this? And it wasn't just a gag? Like, he's a main character, Spider-Ham? Um, so, I personally, for me, I can't even think of any that I, that I want to see. Thorbushman um, was know, in here. Like the the Spidey with like the the bag over his head. Well, yeah, that that the Forbish Man's a different character. That's, yeah, that's a, that's like, a fantastic that's the, character. Yeah, that's uh, Amazing Spider Man two fifty eight when they finally Did, remove the 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 uh, the symbiote, you know, which becomes Venom, and they this leave is the it character the that forgot his mask. <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, because he didn't, you know, he didn't want any, he didn't, even, uh, Peter didn't even want the Fantastic Four to know his secret identity. There it is. And Johnny Storm was like, well, how ugly could you possibly be? So that's why he wears like an old <laughs> FF uniform with the bag on his head. And uh, that that is one of my favorite Spider-Man, actually. The bag <laughs> but I think because of the Fantastic Four, you couldn't put him in these movies. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. So he couldn't actually wear the, the FF costume, but he still had the bag on his head. Mm. But uh I thought that, uh, you know, getting him uh, just glimpses and all that. Uh, you know, we got sort of Jess Drew. We didn't get Jessica Drew, the Spider-Woman, like, 70s costume. I thought we would see that. We got the 80s costume, and I'm not even sure which of the Spider-Woman that was. That seemed like the one who was in the original Secret Wars. Hmm. I actually forget her, that, that character's uh, name. So we got Julia that Carpenter? suit. With, yeah, Julia Carpenter. Thank you. Oh yeah, uh, our pal uh, Daniel Drew even mentioned that we got yeah. Julia Carpenter. She was in the uh, Iron Man animated series. That's why I know her. <laughs> oh, excellent. Yeah, well, she was. Yeah, but she was uh, introduced in there, and she was like a member of the West Coast Avengers at one point. Mm-hmm. You know, they did a little bit with that character. So the, the that, but the Jessica Drew seventies spider spider woman suit is the one that I was like, oh, we didn't get that at any point. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if that's also like going to be a little bit more of, a, of an interesting character. You know, it's a more substantial character, as it were. And Garrett, what's the name of the next movie? Uh, Beyond the Spider-Verse. Beyond the Spider-Verse. What, could that give us any hints to what the movie might be about? 
I'm I'm wondering uh, because obviously we know you would one would assume that uh, my uh, that Miguel and his spider society will see the light, or more specifically, Miguel will. Miguel, and girl, I think yeah. I think we're going to get a huge recruitment drive, even more so than we have now. Uh, we'll see if we get the the you know everyone's going to always keep asking about the big three live action Spider Man like in new scenes, not just archival footage. Um, but I think yeah, it's going to be a celebration of that it's going to be miles's point being put on the grandest stage of them all is that we don't have to be mired in tragedy that we can maybe change things and not cause these sort of incursion like events. Um, and as far as Spider-Man, I want to see. Yeah. Um, and as far as, as far as Spider-Man, I would like to see, uh, I, I would love Christopher Daniel Barnes, the 90s Spider-Man just because in that series, the spot was a villain in that that series and is famously the only villain that ever got punched on that show because Spider-Man could not punch people. He could kick them, but he could not <laughs> punch them. Um, and also, uh, just a fun bit of synergy, I would actually think it'd be really cool if they included the Spider-Man from Spider-Man Freshman Year, the animated series that's supposed to be debuting next year on Disney+. Plus. I think that'd be just a little bit of brand, although that's a Disney-owned uh, yeah. thing. But, I mean, they... I did think it was very interesting that there is no archival footage even of Tom Holland Spider-Man. I don't know if that ties into the the events of No Way Home. I just thought that was a very interesting omission. Uh, he was mentioned, but uh, the little nerd. Um, <laughs> but uh, that, that universe has that movie. That, that universe has a Prowler down yeah. over, but maybe nobody acknowledges that movie. Ha- that that universe has a Peter Parker anymore. Yeah, he, I, that's what I was thinking. Of. Knows that he's Spider-Man anymore. Yeah. So we'll um, see if maybe, but I, but yeah, it could literally go beyond. I I don't know in, entirely what they ha- entail for beyond, but for it, I'm sure it's gonna blow my mind when I see it on the big screen. Well, Daniel's dropping some really great ones in the comments. He does say that Julia Carpenter is the current Madame Web in the comments. She's a trench coat. And uh, Matt Sazama and Burke, um, who uh, who you know Burke because they both wrote kind of. They both kind of wrote. Um, we've heard their story about Morbius. They what kind does of, that mean? They, what they, is kind of? What does that took, entail? They took the first kind of swings at Morbius uh, before. They, this, you know, as a writer, you get certain, you get a couple drafts, and then the studio's like, okay, we'll take it from here. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're also doing Madam Web, and I don't know if it's the Julia. I think I imagine it's Julia Carpenter. It's like every Spider Woman is in that. There's because like three of them. The Madam Web feature film isn't that Dakota Johnson playing the lead, but um, Web. She, I think so, she is. Yeah, she the looks OG like Madeline. she looks like Jennifer Carpenter, or she looks like um, they have three Louis of Carpenter. the Madam Webs, and I believe Ezekiel is in that film as well. As what from what I have what I've heard, I believe Ezekiel is in that. I film. Adam Scott would be playing. There is. I don't want to point people to set photos, okay. but there okay. are set photos. No, 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 no. Uh, and it has other. Yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> the movie's yeah. wild from what I've heard. It, I, I'm, I'm down with wild. Yeah. I don't. I'm not gonna yeah. be one of these. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you off air what I've heard. Uh, and it's, Geeks it's, it's like, if you want to hear my thoughts on Morbius with 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 Ian, like go back in the feed. I had a fun time watching Morbius because I just wanted to be entertained, and it felt like a '90s superhero movie, and it was bananas and all in a few places and i was like whatever you Are you know for, Cra- for the craven cast that's gonna yeah. come later this year I'm, when you have to talk craven doesn't craven come out in like october guys yeah yeah i'm ATJ. down let's go I'm, excited. I'm ready uh and daniel has the best like surprise idea of all he says "Ooh, what if the third movie introduces to or hints at a live action mcu version of miles like at the end or something who knows who knows wow. who knows 
It's a good idea. Um, ultimately, the Spidey I want to see, and I think that the manga, um, you know, kind of um, transformer big robot version of Spider-Man from the first film kind of negates this. But in the uh, early two thousands, they they did manga versions of a lot of this, the Marvel characters, and there was a manga. Spider-Man who had like bear claws on his hands and that's how he climbed and so like that the, the 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 manga verse version of Spider-Man is kind of who I like. I have his little action figures. I believe I he was in it. He's in one of the posters and I I believe you see him in one of the, I mean hopefully For this he gets film. featured more. Yes, he he's in one of the posters, I believe. Um, Let's go. Bring him. But Bring also him. there's like 10,000 so I I would, <laughs> I can understand why it might be hard to see him. Uh, <laughs> uh my quick thought on the title is uh what if it's uh literal? And uh, the spider core, as it were, has to, uh, you know, they defeat Spot, but then uh, the Beyonder is actually, uh, that's why it's called the Beyond the Spider-Verse. If we get the, but it has to be the Secret Wars 2 Beyonder, Beyonder with the mullet and like yeah, the, the uh, Tom Jones yeah. Beyonder. Yeah, right. That's the one we need. Yeah. I, hope, I hope we get him. Who, for some reason, Greg Land and company thought it was a great idea to bring back to the current Marvel comics. Yeah, it's not that. <laughs> I'm reading it. I'm reading the the Avengers Beyond title and like, woo! I'm in. I'm in. Here's the thing: there are beings more powerful than the Beyonder being introduced in Avengers Beyond, and the Wait. Beyonder comes to the Avengers for help. Jonathan Hickman like, already did that. They're called the Beyonders. Jonathan Hickman did that a few years ago. <laughs> there were he was part of that species called the Beyonders. Those are Doom Guys' powers. I've so busy. That I told this to Ian and Justin earlier in the week. I was like, um, they did not spoil a major death that happened in Amazing Spider-Man. And I won't spoil it here. But uh, Ian said, oh, my God, they're killing a character. And Marvel spoiled it all over. They put out press releases for it. It felt like, or leaks at least. And then I, I caught Garrett talking about it a little bit on Twitter. Just He didn't spoil it, but he was mentioning, he was commenting on the commentary about it. And I was like, I don't want to hear any of it. And luckily, I've been so busy. I didn't. I read the issue. I saw the the character death. Narratively, it worked for me really well. Um, as it works in the giant Marvel commercial transmedia campaign at the timing right now, going into a major event, maybe in November with this character, I was like, okay, that's weird. Or possibly a, a means to reintroduce the character with powers closer to the MCU version. I don't know, but... Um, but narratively, it kind of worked for me. The Zeb Wells storyline, I was like, okay, this is this is fun. I kind of, I, I dug it. I thought it was a nice Spider-Man story. Um, but man, things are messy in comics. But they've always been, right? When you talk about multiple Beyonders and this and that, that's just what comics are. And if anything, this movie is a celebration of that, while at the same time being the best versions of that. Yeah, I mean, the fact great. that, like, we can have a conversation like this, and I can say Secret Wars, and you'll be like, which one? And I'll be like, Inferno, and you'll be like, which one? And I'll say mm-hmm. The Trial of Magneto, and you'll say, which one? You know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, DC had the right idea. They streamlined everything in uh, in 1985, 1986 with uh, Crisis. You know, by now, they went and, you know, undid all the good work. But it's like, yeah, if you can kind of streamline it, because... Yeah, well, all Marvel always does is like every three years, it's like, well, we'll just do a new number one. And mm-hmm. uh, you can ignore everything uh, mm-hmm. for that if you want. We'll to. put a legacy number in the little corner. Yeah. But the most part, <laughs> yeah, that's well, guys, about it. Thanks for being on the show with me. Um, I love this movie so much. Uh, I'm tempted to go see it a third time in theaters, but I think check the sound be- first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll use the ticket I got back <laughs> as a refund for the first ticket to go see it a third time. 
but I'll probably just play it safe and go to a third seat, uh, a second theater. That being said, there's tons to talk about here on Geekscape coming up. I mean, uh, we've got a brand new superhero movie in The Flash coming up in a week and a half. And beyond that, guys, we have Comic-Con. And I don't know if y'all are going to be present at Comic-Con. Geekscape's going to be there at the booth. Uh, booth 3919 will be there again for our 11th, 12th year. And we're bringing friends with us. And I'm so excited. Um, any chance we'll be seeing Christian or Garrett down there? I will I, not be there. I, uh, I, I, have to, uh, I have to dot my I's and cross my T's. I, would li- I, I have kept that weekend clear, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't know for sure yet that I'll actually be there. But I'm hoping okay. I can. Well, uh, ultimately, Garrett, like I know you want to be in on the floor and hang out and have a pass and all that. But for anybody who has that weekend free, if you can find a place to, to stay or if you can come hang out for a day, downtown San Diego is just a giant comic book celebration all weekend. So you, I, I, I've told people that actually being on the convention floor is probably the least interesting mm-hmm. or fun thing about it because all the announcements that are happening will be on your phone in a few seconds. Um, yeah, it's cool walking the floor and seeing all the merch and stuff like that. Maybe sitting on some panels. Uh, we've got a great one that I'm working that I have confirmed that uh, I'm excited to have. But um, well, just being in San Diego is just so much fun during those days, and uh, you can just take the train down um, and maybe be a part of it, and then take the train back. Um, you know, Garrett, I know that you can sleep right next to Matt Kelly if you come down for a night or two. <laughs> we'll fix you a little spoon. Yeah, yeah. Um, Geekscapus, thank you for listening. Uh, we have so many podcasts on the network, including our good friend Christian's Geekscape Book Club. Um, follow these guys um, on their social medias. We got uh, Christian at uh, Christian DMZ. He's on that's on everything Christian DMZ, like Demilitarized Zone. And then over here we got Garrett Briones, just his name. Yeah, you know, just search for Garrett Bionis. He'll be on there. You search for Geekscape, you'll find something, some version of us. If you go to the podcast that you got, that you're listening to this on, and you search for Geekscape, well, I hope you subscribe to this show. But then we got tons of shows across the network. We're our own little Spider Verse over here, and uh, be a part of it. And we're going to be working on Kenny Johnson getting his own podcast. Uh, Daniel Drew says, "Great show. Thank you so much, Daniel. Uh, your knowledge is so deep. Maybe you're a future guest." Mm-hmm. Yeah, Daniel. Uh, I I steer Daniel here. He's one of my regulars on the uh, show that I do on my YouTube oh. channel, uh, Marvel Movie Talk. Which shameless plug, we're doing a Into the Spider Verse. So if you didn't get enough talk right now, <laughs> Thursday at eleven thirty a.m. Pacific, two thirty uh, Eastern, but it'll also be archived. Uh, we'll be talking more Spider Verse there. So please come find us over there. Blackcast, B L A D T C A S T. That's my YouTube channel, and it is the podcast of the same name. I love it. I love it, Christian. I don't understand why we're not hosting that show for you over here on the hmm. Geekscape servers, um, at least to save we, you the hosting fees. And you, that's you're, true. Part of, you're part of the family, brother. So maybe, yeah, and, maybe and we bring you into the Spider-Verse. Geekscape Book Club, uh, we're going to squeeze it in right before the Flash movie, but we're going to do Flashpoint. I don't have the exact date because we're moving some things around. That's what this movie time. was going to be called for a long time. So that's that'll be a good one to listen to. Um, all right, guys. Thank you guys so much. Geekscape, share this with your friends. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the five stars. Hit all the things that keep us visible on the podcast feeds. And uh, thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you very, very, mm-hmm. very soon because clearly I guess I'm doing two Geekscapes a week now. More work. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Bye, guys. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.